Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 24 of Gridirons and Goldmines Football Podcast. My name's Angelo, and Taylor is your co-host. Taylor, say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. All right. So we're going to be diving into our division reviews starting this week. We talked about this in last week's episode. Uh, so before we, so just so you guys know, we're going to be doing one division per episode over the next eight episodes, and uh, we just really look forward to doing these for you. But before we start, Taylor, we got to do some plugging, some plugging and chugging. First of all, oh, plenty of that to do. Yeah. First of all, our Twitter. T- Taylor, tell them about our Twitter. All right. Uh, so our Twitter is great. Uh, predominantly, uh, Angelo makes the posts, and he's a funny guy sometimes, so you should check in for those, uh, for those funny posts. Uh, so that's, uh, the Gridirons and Goal Lines podcast at G-G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E-S. Angelo doesn't think I can do that, but I can. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to want to check out that Twitter. Uh, we like to be active on it, but uh, we like to in- we, we would like to interact with people on it, so tweet at us. Okay. Also, Taylor got our YouTube up and running last week with our episode, and I'm super proud of him for that. So you can go and watch us on YouTube, where you should also like and subscribe and comment. Also, we are on many platforms now. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're on a like radio garage. What is it? Taylor list off everything we're on. All right. So we're still uh, waiting to get on Apple podcasts, but in the meantime, we've got the YouTube account going. Uh, we're on the anchor app, Spotify breaker, radio public and Google play, uh, Google podcasts, which is just way more than we were on last year. <laughs> so yeah, last year was SoundCloud only. Yep. So thank you to anchor. Uh, and so, we're just really excited. So make sure you, whatever platform you listen on, just make sure that you are subscribing to that platform, liking, commenting, if, if those are able, uh, if you're able to do those on those platforms, just make sure you're doing that because we would love to see and get feedback from everybody. So let's dive into what we're going to be expecting for these division reviews. So we're going to be doing some pretty in-depth research and analysis on each division uh, on their off season so far. That's the main goal. We're going to be going over free agent signings. We're going to go over staff personnel changes. Um, if they had any, anyway, we're going to go over draft picks, uh, obviously. So, uh, and at the end of each division, we're going to be picking pretty much a winner or loser. And then we're going to be going over some other areas, uh, within each division. So we're going to be starting off with the NFC North, um, and, well, I guess we have to talk about the Green Bay Packers to start off with. Uh, these are in order of the of where the team finished in the division. So that's why uh, we're starting off with the Green Bay Packers today. So, biggest thing, Devin Funches signs in early March. Uh, has had a very quiet career since being drafted in 2015 by the Panthers. He had a career high in catches and yards and touchdowns in 2017 with 63 catches, 840 yards, and 8 touchdowns, respectively. Then the Colts signed him last season on a one-year deal worth about $10 million, up to about 13 with incentives. But that didn't go so well, did it, Taylor? Uh, no. Yeah. No, it did not. Injured, was it game one he was injured, unfortunately? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was out for the entire season after playing about half a game. Yeah, so honestly, really unfortunate. I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually a big Devin Funches fan because I'm a Michigan fan. So I've actually always been a big Devin Funches fan. So that was kind of heartbreaking to see. Current deal with Green Bay is a base salary of $1.2 million with incentives that could go up to uh, or climb a little bit over $6 million, which I think is way more accurate to what he was worth last year. Uh, but it doesn't really, last year doesn't matter anymore. So really, honestly, I think the Packers paid – a perfect price for a big wide receiver threat for Aaron Rodgers um, to hopefully produce this year. What do you think, Taylor? 
Yeah, uh, I definitely think the contract is pretty good. I didn't think it was terrible for the Colts last year, but after not playing for the entire season, it definitely has to go down. And I think where they're at is fine. And I think he's the exact type of threat that the the Packers need. Um, Because assuming he plays as well as he used to, you know, he's just like a, you know, seven foot nine you know end zone threat yeah yeah i mean he's uh, he, he can be a really productive player and uh, i definitely think that people who aren't paying attention to the devin funches signing are just not paying attention at all to what the packers are trying to do with their offense this year uh so other than that the the packers completely ignored the need for weapons for aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. really other than getting devin funches a free agency as they pay as they pretty much pass on on the very deep wide receiver class in this year's draft i mean they passed on everybody which was really frustrating to watch um, you know, Devonte Adams is not a free agent until 2022. The team did not try to add any big time talent wide receiver other than Devin Funches, but I wouldn't even call that a big time talent. Really. Uh, that's just more of a very situational, uh, football player right there, which could be still useful. You know, they go, they draft Jordan Love and, and AJ Dillon with their first two picks. Uh, you know, Matt Fleur had a really good first season as a head coach, but with all that said, should we be expecting a completely different looking Packers team in the coming years based off of this offseason? Or what exactly was the goal for this offseason? Uh, I definitely think we should be expecting to see a different Packers team. Uh, I, I still think last year was a bit fluky, um, but gone are the days of Aaron Rodgers carrying a team, which is sort of, uh, you know, for those of you who listen to us a lot, you know that we're huge Aaron Rodgers fans. Oh right? my goodness. Most but, underrated uh, quarterback. Here's the thing. You know, we talk about weapons, right? And they did go 13-3 and three last season, which means something. But, yeah, you know, definitely. They would have been so much better if they had weapons and the team didn't prioritize weapons. And Aaron Rodgers needs weapons. What weapons did Russell Wilson have last year? <laughs> you know, like, Russell Wilson wins games without him, and Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, according to some people. <laughs> and he has Devontae Adams, which is a better receiver than most teams have. Yeah. So, I I have a hard time just blaming the weapons. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that, uh, I I don't know what's going to come from this LaFleur team in the coming years, but uh, I'm excited for Aaron Rodgers to not be just all of the talk of the Packers. That's kind of my big thing. And I think this offseason proved it. So the Packers also had six picks between rounds five and seven, which was a ton of picks. They went pretty heavy on the offensive line with three big boy selections, and they spread out the defensive youth with lineman, linebacker, and a defensive back. So they're kind of getting young in their defense, which sounds a lot like the Rams. So do we feel like the result of this offseason is a Rams-esque model that LaFleur was so successful with a few years back? Uh, it does feel a bit Ramsey for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm really thinking of that, you know, that 2016-2017 Rams period right there where they're really trying to build – kind of, you know, a very specific type of football team. And I just can't help but think that that's what Matt LaFleur is kind of comfortable with. But uh, as we've seen, that Rams model does not have longevity. So I don't know. Uh, the Packers jumbled up some uh, positional coaching and special teams, but that's pretty much it for them this season, this offseason. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm going to real quick take yeah. this moment to talk about that. So for the Packers, it's very mild. But, uh, you know, normally – most teams make some sort of coaching or, you know, positional changes in the offseason. And, you know, that's just very typical. But this season, especially, those are a lot bigger than normal, especially for the bigger, you know, head coaching changes or coordinator changes. 
because we're losing a lot of off-season OTAs and workouts and stuff because of the pandemic. So teams that aren't changing up a lot of, you know, their starting players or their, you know, head coaches and stuff are going to be at an advantage early on next season. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, if you're a rookie coach, rookie head coach, rookie player, you're going to have a hard time in this upcoming season. I think that people should be very aware of that as they critique players and coaches in this upcoming season. Uh, But I have the sneaking suspicion, Taylor, that no one will be aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move over to the Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Uh, the, the offseason really started with a contract extension for Kirk Cousins. Now he is under contract through 2022. He will be making $96 million over the next three seasons. So Taylor wasn't kidding when he said uh, that Philip Rivers was a pretty good contract going rate for the for quarterbacks. Two seasons with the Vikings has Cousins just under 8,000 passing yards with a 56 and 16 touchdown interception ratio. He went to the playoffs in year two and lost to the 49ers in the divisional round. Can't really hold that against them, though. The 49ers team is pretty great. Should the Vikings be this committed to Kirk Cousins? I like Kirk Cousins, but man, I just don't know. I am not a big Kirk Cousins fan, and I still don't know. I mean, his stat lines are pretty impressive. At times, he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But he's not producing results with what is easily considered one of the best rosters in the league. Yeah, and the big thing is, is I mean, he he doesn't play well against Green Bay, and if you're the Minnesota Vikings quarterback, you've got to play well against Green Bay. Uh, I mean, not playing well against Green Bay twice last season is what kept the Vikings out of a potential buy. So, yeah. uh, and 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 now with the with the restructure of the off season, where only one team gets a buy. I don't know if you're really wanting to pay Kirk Cousins $96 million to have to play a wildcard team every year for the next, you know, uh, yeah. two seasons. Like I said, you know, talking about Philip Rivers, I mean, you know, $32 million a year is definitely starting to get up there. But in today's quarterback market, even that's not that high. You know, we're expecting Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson to come in at $40 million a year. Uh, when they sign their contract. Don't, for, don't forget Dak Prescott, Taylor. I will he, definitely forget Dak Prescott. He deserves his $40 million, too, just like everyone else. You know, we'll talk about that later, but no, he doesn't. He's won just as many divisions as Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Wait a second. That's not true. <laughs> All right, let's move on with the Vikings. Gary Kubiak is now the it, offensive... What? What? I wasn't done with my point, though. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, so uh, with Kirk Cousins, the, like, so the money's not that high. My problem with the contract is all of the guaranteed money. Oh, yeah. And just like three years is also not a long contract, but that's pretty long. I talked about last week where like drafting quarterbacks just kind of works. And, you know, the, the Vikings haven't had like a, a high draft pick in a while. You know, they're drafting later in the rounds and stuff. But I, was, I think they could do better. Yeah, they, pro- they, they probably could. The, the issue I have with committing so long to Kirk Cousins is I, I think Kirk Cousins has wasted a really good roster in the last couple of years. I don't know. It could, it could also be Mike Zimmer's fault. I don't know. It could be good. It could be. It could be a it could be a, a whole range of things. I don't know if it's not just Kirk Cousins' fault, but he's probably maybe part of, Mike Zimmer is bad against specifically the Packers and high profile games. That could potentially be it. Gary Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator uh, with Stefanski taking the head coaching job over in Cleveland. Last time Kubiak had this much influence on the team was his time in Denver with Peyton Manning. So he definitely has some experience working with high caliber teams, of course, which is always good. 
Kubiak is still also considered an assistant head coach to Mike Zimmer, which was a weird thing we reviewed last season as well. Uh, And the Vikings now have two defensive coordinators to go along with this dependent coaching staff. (laughs) They just need, they need a lot of people backing up their decisions on that sidelines. Maybe the Vikings need to have five timeouts each half (laughs) because there's maybe it's like, hold on, hold on. We have to consult the three assistant coaches that are attached to this one coordinator. (laughs) Uh, Probably the biggest thing that happened to the Vikings was trading away Stefan Diggs to the bills. Uh, Diggs had his fewest receptions this past season with 63 since his rookie year when he hauled in 52. This also came off of a career best season with over a hundred catches in his first 1000 yard season with all the drama around Diggs and Kirk Cousins. How do we feel about the Vikings no longer having Diggs? Is it better? It, is it better knowing the Vikings turned the first rounder they got out of Diggs into Justin Jefferson, um, a younger, less dramatic wide receiver replacement? Um, I mean, not really. Uh, Stephon Diggs is not a particularly old player, uh, so upgrading him into a you know first round wide receiver isn't necessarily great uh, on paper. You know if Justin Jefferson ends up being really good, then we can look back at this and think, oh wow, brilliant. But right. you know until that <laughs> happens, you know like players get traded for first round picks all the time because a young player that's proven is you know definitely better than you know, an unknown quantity. Right. I, th- I think, ov- I mean, obviously a big factor in this is, is the drama between Diggs and, and Kirk Cousins, which really, if you look at Diggs' season last year, he still had over a thousand yards. So they're really, I, I never was a fan of Diggs complaining over the season. I'm still not. I think that he got rewarded the most in this, and I'm always against rewarding players for bad behavior. Uh, so I, I don't love it for Diggs. I like it fine enough for the Vikings, though, because maybe Diggs' attitude was a big issue with this team that we just yeah, don't really I, know about. I definitely don't think the Vikings did bad here, and I agree with your sentiment on basically rewarding players for complaining. Like, he had a 1,000-yard season and complained about not getting the ball enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so the – however – the Vikings defense did take a veteran hit this offseason. You had Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, and Andrew Sandejo, along with several depth pieces, all left and took contracts elsewhere or have deals pending. However, the Vikings have tried to make up for that depth loss and drafted nine defenders, uh, which was insane. Among those were Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler, two defensive backs that very big names in the draft coming out and pretty much a slew of other four-year college talents. I, I highlight that because I personally like it. If we're, when you're going for depth, if you're drafting four-year guys instead of three-year guys, I think there's a huge difference there. And I think the Vikings were very smart in drafting their four-year talent guys for their depth. Because pretty much they lost, uh, I, I think, over 50% of their secondary pretty much between depth, pe- depth pieces, Andrew Sandejo, Xavier Rhodes. So it, they really needed to touch on all the issues that they lost. And I think they did actually pretty well. Do we? Th- yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whenever you're replacing um, veterans with younger players, uh, it's always great, like for longevity's sake. You know, like Xavier Rhodes is, as far as you know, cornerbacks go, getting pretty old. Yeah. Uh, but these guys coming in are almost definitely going to be worse this season <clears throat> than what they're replacing. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. So, you know, longevity's sake, it's good, but you've got to wonder about replacing all of the older pieces all at once and how that's going to affect them this season. 
Yeah, and so that's kind of so I had two questions here. One we've already kind of answered, which was, do we think the Vikings did the right thing this offseason with dumping the old and scurrying to the new? I think kind of yes is the answer to that. But really, this next question is the big thing, which is, should the Vikings now expect a slow season in order to adjust with their newfound youth? I also think that answer is kind of yes. Yeah, I haven't uh, looked in-depth enough at the Vikings' schedule specifically. If they have sort of a softball first you know, quarter of the season to help them get going, then they could still do really well. But if they have some tough games early on, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, and don't worry, everybody. We will be taking time when we're done with the offseason reviews to, to actually go in team by team how we think these teams are going to do. So you will get way more of an answer from Taylor and I on the Vikings as well as all 32 NFL teams oh, yeah. in the you, future. You've got to hear our terrible predictions. Oh, I yeah. thought the Falcons were going to win their division last year. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, give you a dollar if you pick them to win this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to a team that's definitely not winning a division in the next decade, the Chicago Bears. <laughs> the Bears turned to several uh, veteran signings this offseason. They got Nick Foles, which uh, was acquired in a trade with the with Jacksonville, and they re, re, uh, restructured that enormous contract that he signed with Jacksonville, which was really good for Nick Foles uh, because he wants to be there. So let's just talk about Nick Foles for a minute because, Taylor, I know that you – I don't know if the word like Nick Foles – I don't know if like is the word you, you would use for Nick Foles, but you have opinions of Nick Foles that are positive – so is this is this what's best for the Bears or for Nick Foles? Uh, to briefly address your uh, statement about positive opinions, I was terrified that the Colts were going to trade for him. That's not <laughs> something I wanted, so they can't be that positive. Um, you know, last week I kind of, I don't even know if I'd say defended, just kind of gave it as the reason to justify that the Bears took Foles basically over Cam Newton. And we don't know all of the details as to why, but that's definitely the most interesting conversation I think that the Bears uh, had during this offseason is, you know, what sort of quarterback do we want here? You know, even trading for Nick Foles, the official stance of the Bears right now is that Mitch Trubisky is their guy. I think that's going to change by week one, (laughs) but where we're at right now, that's what we have. And, you know, so they're kind of paying two quarterbacks right now. I mean, Trubisky's not getting paid a lot or anything, but, you know, they've they've got to make a choice and they'll basically have to get rid of one of these quarterbacks at one point or another. Yeah. And they just restructured Nick Foles' contract. So So they seem a bit committed to Nick Foles, not so much Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, sorry everybody. Uh, I think uh, Mitchell Trubisky is probably going to be playing his last season as an NFL starter. All right, other veteran signings uh, were okay. So I went into depth on this Robert Quinn signing because I realized I looked at it and I just passed over it. And then I was like, wait, Robert Quinn? I know that name. And I started looking into Robert Quinn a little bit more, and I, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this signing is huge for the Chicago Bears. Okay, so. Robert Quinn has bounced. He's bounced around quite a bit as a and has had a pretty respectful little career. Quinn had a strong start to his career with the Rams, but then he battled some injury time in 2015 and 2016, resulting in one-year deals in Miami and then Dallas last couple seasons. He, but in these last two seasons, he's totaled 18 sacks, 22 tackles for loss, and 37 quarterback hits. Which that quarterback hit stat has become way more relevant in the last couple years than it ever was. I don't even know. I, I don't think the NFL started tracking that stat until just a few years ago, but that's how important it's become, I think. So Quinn was awarded a five-year, $70 million contract with the Bears. So first of all, do I don't know how much you know about Robert Quinn, Taylor. 
uh, but I know that you are pretty well versed in contracts. As far as overpaying Robert Quinn or paying him the right amount, how do you feel the Bears did with this? Okay, so five years, $70 million is um, not that much for a, a defensive end, Yeah, actually. Um, that's, what, $14 million a year. Uh, you know, you can argue about the five-year contract. Yeah. But a lot of times when teams have these longer contracts, uh, the cap hit is more loaded toward the front, so they could cut him after three, maybe, or certainly four years without much of a loss anyway. So, you know, $14 million a year for a, a defensive end that's, you know, pretty good is actually just not far off. You know, if you look at, like, what Jadavian Clowney is asking for and stuff like that. I was literally you know, just about to compare him to Jadavian Clowney. Robert Quinn is not Jadavian Clowney, but, you know, $5 million or whatever a year cheaper. Yeah. It's not, it's not a bad deal. Did they overpay maybe just a tinge? But I don't think it's egregious. The unfortunate thing here, and I actually don't have this, is so first of all, I th- I think I made it pretty well known. Now I'm not a clowny fan at all. I think Jadavion Clowney is a clown himself. Um, and so you know, reports were he wanted twenty million dollars. Now he's saying he'll he'll cooperate. If Robert Quinn is making fourteen million dollars and he had eighteen sacks in the last two seasons, and Jadavion Clowney only had twelve sacks in the last two seasons. I'm a little bit concerned about this signing because this is going to make Jadevian Clowney think he's worth more money, or hopefully teams will see that he's not worth more money and he'll have to just settle. I don't know how it's going to look, but uh, so potentially, does this signing uh, is this going to be like one of the best moves for Chicago this offseason? I think so. I think it's uh, going to for Chicago me. specifically, I, I definitely think it's their best move overall. Yeah, and then like, and another thought I had was, how much better does this make Khalil Mack now? Because we saw it with like the Packers, the Darius Smith and Preston, Preston Smith improved because of each other with the Packers last season. So now you have Khalil Mack, who's already disgusting, and now you have Robert Quinn, who's coming off two incredible years for a defensive end. I just can't help but think that Khalil Mack's stats are going to go up for this because you're you're a quarterback and you're going to have to choose which one of these guys is going to hit you. And you probably won't have enough time to choose that. <laughs> it certainly could be, you know, you, you kind of led into talking about the bears by mentioning a team that's not going to win a division. <laughs> Two years ago, their defense was absurd. And that was in part because Mitchell Trubisky actually looked pretty good two years ago. Yeah, it's true. Last year, Mitchell Trubisky regressed hard. The offense was never on the field. So of course the defense isn't going to look as good. But if the offense is just mediocre this year, then well, I think we should see a resurgence from that defense that you know got them to a what was a thirteen and three record a couple years ago. Yep, and then the double doink. Um, and then the double doink. So I I do think I have this as a question here. I mean, I do think that the Bears now have the best edge defenders in the division quite possibly the conference. I don't know about the league. I would really have to look a little bit more into the AFC and what they offer with edge defenders. But I think the Bears have taken the cake for conference edge defenders. And I oh, think, I, I, I agree. I think that makes them super dangerous. So I, you're, you're right. I, I kind of I, I threw a little sly joke at them, and then I kind of just talked them up the last few minutes. And another thing that's important here, though, is uh, those edge defenders are in a division with Aaron Rodgers – Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins, none of whom are particularly mobile. Exactly. Oh wait, no, Taylor, didn't you know Aaron Rodgers? Oh, I forgot. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers is. He, yeah, he's a mobile quarterback. Yeah, he's, uh, he's the he's, goat. He actually uh, 
raced Usain Bolt in high school and won. Yeah, I, I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> the Bears also signed Artie Burns to a one-year deal for just over a million dollars, which uh, will prove, I think, to be a bargain. A lot of you will, will remember Artie Burns. He's a four-year DB out of, uh, well, played his first four years of Pittsburgh, and he was really poised to be involved a lot during the trade deadline last season, and just it did not happen at all. Um, he had a calm first three seasons, but not the worst. Pretty much what was happening was he was playing very well at certain parts, but pretty much clutch. He was not good last season, but uh, team still wanted to take a chance on him. However, some injuries happen. And so pretty much the Steelers lost on the trade potential for him. Uh, so this is a pretty big loss for the Steelers, I think, because the bears got a huge benefit out of nabbing burns for a pretty low price tag. It's pretty much a, a prove it deal for a fifth year DB that, as long as he can kind of shore up some of his uh, big mistakes in the big time moments, uh, could prove to be a member of that returning Bears defensive back core. Hmm. All right, and then we've got the Bears had, you know, they had a very unexciting draft, in my opinion. Perhaps the biggest selection was Cole Komet, tied it down Notre Dame. After letting Trey Burton go and requiring Jimmy Graham, Komet could serve well to help Foles and Trubisky in uh, situational football where tight ends have found themselves serving larger roles. Uh, should we be concerned, though, that the Bears did not draft a quarterback or a high-profile wide receiver as far as um, building this offense up? I I do think a tight end is a bit more important, uh, you know, especially if they want to go with Nick Foles. Nick Foles loves throwing to tight ends. You know, he got really used to throwing to Zach Ertz over in Philly. Yeah. Uh, which makes, you know, letting Trey Burton go kind of weird. I think, in, at least in the immediate future, both of their new tight end options are a downgrade over Trey Burton. But uh, as for not drafting a quarterback, I don't think that this was quite the draft for them. By the time they, you know, who are they going to pick? Yeah. Uh, I like, they could have gotten, you know, a Jordan Love, for example, right? But he's a, you know, like draft him and, you know, let him sit kind of quarterback. And that's not yeah. really what they're looking for that's not going to help them you know if unless they were going to get a Joe Burrow or a Tua then I don't think that they needed to get a quarterback here yeah I I think the so you were kind of commenting on the the weird Trey Burton release so Trey Burton's very undersized at tight end he's actually only 6'2 and you have Jimmy Graham who's 6'7 that could be the the main driving force there because really Mm -hmm. these teams want their tight ends to be super tall I actually like Trey Burton a lot Uh, he had a really good year in that 13 and 3 season so I agree it was kind of weird, but I think you made a good point about uh, why you just kind of focus on a tight end here. All right, and then uh, the Bills hired Bill, or the Bills, the Bears hired Bill Lazor, Laser, I don't know, as the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Lazor was involved offensively with the Dolphins and Bengals from 2014 until 2018. He then spent last year as an analyst for Penn State University. I'll repeat that. He was an <laughs> analyst last year after a – four-year career in Miami and Cincinnati. Well, those are good teams, right? This seems like such an irresponsible hiring, especially when you're going out and getting Nick Foles and you're building up this defense and you're doing your darndest to compete in this division. How stupid is this? Oh, you're Uh, right. You're right. Okay, so I insulted the Bears. I praised them, but I finished with an insult. It's called a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, uh... I, it definitely, this confuses me a bit. You know, he is someone with experience. He has been around. Uh, maybe he's really good at the interviewing process. I don't know who out there was available. 
But, you know, maybe they just thought this was the right guy for the right price. I don't know what they're paying him. You know, maybe it's just $35. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right, let's move. Let's go up to Detroit now with the Lions. So the Lions traded away Darius Slade to the Eagles for a third and fifth round pick. In my opinion, a complete undersell. I'm a horrible rate for Darius Slay on this. Uh, but then they did draft Jeff Okuda with the third overall pick to replace Slay. Uh, Slay is a top defensive back in the league, although Okuda will likely grow into a great young defensive back. I can't help but think that this is no more than a lateral move, but still not a good one. Bad trade, and the issue itself has not been fixed, which is Matt Patricia and how he treats his players. What do we think about that? Yeah, so. I don't know a whole lot about like how Matt Patricia treats his players, but the thing about Darius Slay is he basically wanted to get out of Detroit, as a lot of players have. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very weird for him because he was super involved in the Detroit community. Like, I, I remember reading a story of a like youth fan, like eight or nine years old, sent him a letter that Darius Slay was his favorite player. And he would love it if he would show up to his birthday party. And he did. Like, if if you care about your community that much, you don't just, like, want to bail on your team. Wait, this is this is, a, this is a real story? I thought you were being sarcastic. No, that happened. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this guy's amazing. I mean, he's he's got 13 interceptions since uh, since the year that he tied for interceptions with Kevin Byard in 2017. Uh, I mean, he, dude's a stud. Apparently, he's a great community guy. I think that just says how bad Matt Patricia is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm a very big Darius Slay fan. Uh, I like him a lot. I Whenever we get to the NFC East, which will be, I don't know, in a, in a week or two, um, I'm definitely going to be praising the Eagles for pulling off what I think was the steel trade of the offseason. But, uh, yeah, so we'll get to that when we get there. So the Lions also drafted DeAndre Swift, uh, which is running back. Uh, Karon Johnson became the Lions' first 100-yard game rusher in several seasons but has not been healthy enough for a full season the last two years. Lots of rumors around trading Johnson after the Swift pick, but this serves to be a great opportunity, I think, to keep the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands and keep it on the ground. Uh, should we be expecting the Lions to change up their offensive scheme, or do do they do we think they're just so locked in on having Matthew Stafford throw the ball fifty times a game? Yeah, I don't think I don't actually foresee them uh, changing it up. Especially, I mentioned you know the stuff with lack of offseason, you know OTAs and practices. Swapping things is going to be really tough. And I think Matt Patricia is acutely aware that if this team does not perform this season, he's out. Right. So, so, so if you're Matt Patricia, I guess, well, yeah, considering what you said about, you know, with lack of OTs and stuff. So, so if you're Matt Patricia, you're just hoping that Matthew Stafford throwing the ball 45 times game is going to win you 11 games and a wild card berth. Yep. Yikes. 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 Uh, <laughs> In general, uh, yeah, let's see. I didn't have anywhere. In general, everyone should know the Lions had a terrible draft. They just did. They, I don't think they've had a very decent offseason. Uh, they had one good thing of their offseason. We'll get to that in a second. But for the most part, goodness gracious, the Lions. The Lions also cut Damon Harrison, a.k.a. Snacks, as people know him by. Uh, Lions trade for him midseason in 2018, but Snacks did not produce as expected this past year, only getting three tackles for a loss of 15 games. This, you know, 
Uh, Damon Harrison was never a guy that was, you know, going to be getting to the quarterback, you know, every game or whatever. He was pretty much just a run lane stuffer, but he did not do a good job in that last year uh, in 15 games, which is the big issue. I mean, if he was averaging uh, three tackles lost per game, then he definitely would be there again this year. So unfortunate for him. I like the guy. And then really the biggest thing that the Lions did, the most positive thing I think was uh, they did sign Jamie Collins linebacker uh, from New England. He's probably the biggest veteran name that the Lions have signed this offseason. Collins bounced between New England and Cleveland since 2013. So he's an older guy. That's the only issue with this signing. Last year, he produced with seven sacks, 10 tackles for loss, and 10 quarterback hits, all while competing with that stellar Patriots defense. So I do think that has something to say for itself. Uh, Collins and Patricia are no doubt comfortable with each other. It's probably the only really great thing they did this offseason, other than drafting Jeff Okuda. But again, the Jeff Okuda draft pick isn't even that great when you consider that they lost Darius Slay in the process of it. So overall, the Lions appeared to do very little to compete next year in this division. Uh was so we we kind of have this question coming up in a second, but I mean this has got to be the worst off season in this division, I think. This is one of the worst off seasons in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it was it was pretty bad. So just it, like if you're a Lions fan, I just feel bad for you because you you're sitting by your phone every day waiting to get a notification on something big that your team's doing, and nothing good happened for you. Uh, and that's horrible. So, Taylor, who won the NFC North this offseason? Who do you think? Honestly, I think I've got to give it to the Packers. Interesting. You're going to give it to the Packers. Why are you going to give it to the Packers? Uh, mostly because, you know, fluky or not, they were a 13-3 and team last season. Right. And they didn't really lose anything important. Uh, they got some draft picks, though maybe not where people think they need. They got Devin Funchess, and they got presumably their quarterback of the future. Yeah, that's probably a decent. I don't think I can argue with you on that per se. I don't. I don't. It's not my pick, but I don't think I can argue with it. I actually think that my best offseason, despite everything I said, is actually the Bears because there's mm-hmm. something about a good Bears defense, you know that I like a lot. There's something nostalgic about it. And really the bears tried their best to do that again this year. They tried, they tried their best to, to pick this up. And I do think that Robert Quinn was a secret steal of the off season. And somehow the, somehow the bears got to him before any other team did. So uh, that I, I'm going to go with the bears for, for my winner. Now I think the biggest loser we kind of already talked about, it's gotta be the lions. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can also make a case for the Vikings, but the Vikings, I think if you're talking about longevity, might be competing with the longevity success of the Packers. So I don't right. think so they they yeah. made some like, you know, uh, you know, got rid of some veterans for some younger players. Well, overall, I think the Lions are the only team in this division that strictly downgraded their team in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. So um, so to finish up here, so what was the biggest need filled, and uh, what was the biggest need ignored? Do you think of this division? I don't know how well it was filled, but I think the biggest uh, need that was filled was the Bears getting Nick Foles. Yeah, you think so? I th- I mean, again, I don't know if Nick Foles is the guy, but I think the biggest need in this division was the Bears getting a new quarterback. Interesting, interesting. And then what was the biggest ignored need, do you think? Everything that the Lions did? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, 
maybe addressing the head coaching situation in Detroit? <laughs> Quite possibly. I, I think that the biggest need that was addressed um, probably was the fact that, you know, the Vikings let go of a high caliber wide receiver, but then they were smart enough to do their best to, to get one back. So uh, I think that's probably, I mean, I guess the same thing can be said for the lines in that situation as well, but um I don't know. I, I have more sympathy for Darius Slay than I do for Stefan Diggs, I guess. So um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's fair. So, and then I think the biggest need that was ignored had to have been, I mean, I want to say everything the Lions did, but I, I think it has to be wide receiver for the Packers for me. Um, yeah. Just because they've got a bunch of no-name guys. I hope they do well. But if the Packers want to be this big-time thing, um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is good enough to do it on his own. And so I think they need... Uh, another wide receiver threat. I also think that offensive line for the Vikings is kind of a big thing because I think that when Kirk Cousins gets hit a lot is when he starts struggling a lot, and he's going to get hit a lot this year, at least twice per year when he plays, when he plays the Chicago Bears. That's fair. Yeah. And I just want to throw this last thing in because I didn't get to do it uh, at the top. I don't know if he's great. I don't even know if he's really that good. But I do like me some Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I do like some market. I, I like me some MVS. Um, he he ended up having a really quiet year this year. I think that's why people weren't very hype on him. But his rookie year was pretty decent. If yeah, I, I thought correctly. he was going to be bigger this past year. Uh, hopefully he progresses some this year. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It may have been offensive line for the Lions was the biggest need uh, ignored. Yeah, I'm going to switch it. Big, the biggest need ignored was the offensive line for the Lions. That's um, fair enough. But they, they would have taken an offensive lineman at pick number three if they hadn't screwed up the Darius Slay thing, though. So, I don't know. What what a mess. All right, everybody. So, that is going to be our division review for the NFC North. Uh, we're going to be getting this episode out to you. Expecting Expect a few days later, we're probably going to be putting out the AFC North. Uh, so, be looking for that episode because we have a lot of great things to say about that as well. If you like this episode, make sure you tell us that you liked it. Because if you don't tell us you liked it, then we'll just keep doing bad episodes. Yeah, and if you didn't like us, like like it or us, tell us what you don't like. I don't want that you. Way to, we can yeah, fix it. I don't want you to tell me if you don't like me though, because I can't fix myself. I've been doing. I've been trying to do I, that for a long time. Yeah, if the problem's my voice, uh, I've got bad news for you. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And remember, Twitter at gggoalliness. That's the Gridiron's Going Football Podcast Twitter. Go like, comment, subscribe on all those different platforms, and we will talk to you next time. See ya.